This week's podcast brought to you by a Lavatorial Equinox. On vacation this week uh, across the country, we were did a lot of walking, maybe 13 miles a day. The kids didn't always partake in that, but one morning we were walking, had been walking a long time. They were a little uh, bedraggled, a little, some bickering had begun. Um, we were a hot, dusty trek, I think, from maybe Pike Place Market back to our hotel. And uh, while this was going on and we were trying to keep the squirrels herded, a guy, maybe 30 years old, walking past at an intersection without breaking stride said, Rebecca, you're a legend or respect. And uh, and I was thinking uh, at that intersection, just as a father trying to rein in kids on vacation, well, what about me? <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. So we've returned sleepless from Seattle after a week-long family vacation in the Pacific Northwest. You slept till what? 10.30. Today? Mm-hmm. We red-eyed back yesterday. I didn't sleep on the plane. Why didn't you sleep on the plane? Meow. Uh, <laughs> that will haunt me for the rest of my days. Uh, I'm not sure I would have slept well on the on the plane, but uh, there was a meowing, a meowing kitty cat across the aisle from me. For five hours from Seattle to Boston. Five going, hours. Going this, meow. This is what I heard the entire flight. Meow. Shh. Meow. Shh. From the owner shushing it, which didn't help. <laughs> I know. It just kind of made it part of the the song of, uh, of your evening. I don't mind crying babies. I understand well, that. Of course. Yeah. I, well, it's, I slept much of the flight but when i woke up um near the end of the flight i i, I did hear the meow meow i can only imagine what it was like for you to listen to that well i mean for six hours i was listening it through my noise canceling headphones while watching season two of the bob newhart show from 1973 and yet but you could still hear the meowing and the shushing i could <laughs> well it was a week ago today where we were hiking at Mount, what's it? Mount Rainier National Park. What's it called? Yes, Mount Rainier National Park. And uh, what an absolute delight that was! It was well, you you say hiking, and we were hiking, but we uh, hiking. Th- those those in front of and behind us on these various trails had the had gone to REI co op and the cleared hiking out everything. Equipment. They had the ski poles. Yes, uh, they had the the hiking boots. We saw some people with uh, little shin sleeve things to prevent. Bug bites or or the bites of venomous snakes. I'm not sure what we were dressed as we were on the plane in sneakers and and we were fine in what we were wearing, weren't we? Completely. Um, although we all of us kind of ruined our sneakers because they got um, pretty dirty. But what some just incredible views from up there. Um, it was it was funny though because we we finished um, the hike, which brings you the well, where. 
when we drove up, the spectacular drive up. Also somewhat terrifying. No, it's uh, completely terrifying, but but in a in a scenic way. When we, I, I think I know where you're going with this. When we got to the Sunrise Visitor Lot, yes, the highest visitor lot mm-hmm. at in the park. Well, we, you, I don't know if we're going to be telling the same story. Well, I think we had to use the restroom. We, there. So we did. We did. But the, they have it, it. It appeared to. It was a it was porta potty restroom ish, yeah. and um. So a, we, a permanent porta potty. Permanent porta potty. A, a perma porta potty. Yeah, it was like a building, but the facility itself was a was a porta potty, and so. Um, I don't think it had been emptied in in some time. I'm, I'm guessing not. And so we go on our hike, a couple hours of a hike, which was absolutely spectacular. And our second oldest daughter and I were the first ones to come up to the parking lot. And as we're standing there, I was just thinking, what is that horrific smell? It was not It was not the, uh, the crisp mountain air. It was not the crisp mountain air. And then I looked across the parking lot and realized that the truck was there emptying the porta potties. And that was the smell we were experiencing. So when we used the porta potties before the hike, it was the fullest possible, fullest possible moment. <laughs> and um, and then when we returned, it the stench was just as anybody who's who's ever had their septic system um, pumped knows what that smell is like. That's what the smell was like <laughs> across we, the we, entire parking we, lot. We, we arrived at exactly. On Mount Rainier at the lavatorial equinox, <laughs> we did, we did. But but aside from meowing kittens and uh, the lavatorial equinox, we we enjoyed ourselves out there. We had an incredible time, and the the first day that we arrived, we landed at like ten thirty in the morning, and there was we couldn't well, get. It, it was the only day that we arrived. Well, it was the only day we well, arrived. It was the only day you arrived. I had multiple arrivals. Yeah. We, but, should say, we should explain before you go on that within our week-long trip, yes. Rebecca returned from Seattle to New England and from New England back to Seattle for 24 hours. When we booked our vacation, I did not realize that during the vacation, Holly Rowe was going to be accepting her Kurt Gowdy Award at the Hall of Fame induction weekend. You, you thought she hit, would be rejecting it? <laughs> no, I thought the, the the Hall of Fame ceremonies are typically in September. Um, so after we booked the vacation, I realized that ha- the induction weekend this year was actually in August. It's just something I had to go to. I could not miss it. My dear friend was getting an, an incredible honor I had to be there. I wanted to be there. So went to Seattle with you guys for a few days, red-eyed home, went to her event, got took an early morning flight the next day, got back to Seattle at 1030. I was gone from Seattle just about 24 hours. So I did have two arrival days. So anyway, on our family's arrival day, we landed at like 10 a.m. or something, and uh, the Seattle storm were hosting the Connecticut sun. And uh, we figured, well, we're not going to be able to get into our hotel until the afternoon anyway. Kids are going to have a blast, and let's go to the game. So we went to the game, and uh, and it was kids' camp day. It was filled with kids um, from local camps. We say ninety percent of the people in attendance were under the age of twelve, and like, the other ten percent were me. And the other ten percent were us. But I, I was really enjoying it because our our twelve year old had some questions for me that I just loved as we were watching the game. So timeout, 
you know, the person under the basket comes out and um, like sweeps the lane. Or if somebody has sweated and the teams run down the other way, the person comes out and sweeps. And our daughter asked me, um, how do you get the job of sweeping the floor? That was, I think, her first question to me as we were sitting there watching the game, which was incredibly uh, interesting question, actually. And then uh, they they do a great job with their entertainment out there. And they had a, um, a variety of contests using the mascots, the Seattle area mascots. Doppler is their mascot. And then um, they had a couple of other mascots. And one of them, they would set up these large inflated um, bowling pins They'd put the mascots on these scooter-like things, f- run with them full court, push them, and then the mascots on these scooter things are like the bowling ball trying to hit over the uh, the inflated bowling pins. And um, our, our daughter's other question was, um, how do the mascots keep their heads on during that? And I thought that was an interesting question, too, because I don't know what the closure contraption is for the mascot head. The great mascot, uh, when all about them are losing their heads, keeps his or her head on. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yes. Churchill? Who said that? I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but we did all the touristy things. We went to the Space Needle. Well, you guys did the Space Needle actually the day I was gone. We went to the basketball games. Of course, we went to a Seattle Mariners game. And this is an interesting conversation I had with a guy outside the Mariners game waiting to get in. I'd say he was probably in his mid fifties. And he just said to me, I didn't expect to see you here. We started chatting a little bit and he said, this is the second baseball game I've ever been to. And, uh, he said the other game I attended was at Dodger stadium, Fernando versus Nolan. And I just said to him, wow, that was a long time ago. And he said, uh, yes, it was. So if he didn't, he didn't apparently care for the Fernando versus Nolan matchup. (laughs) I don't know, but it doesn't get any better than time between baseball games because that would have been what Fernando versus Nolan would have been 80s. Fernando was with the Dodgers. Nolan Ryan would have been with the Astros. So it would have been. Yeah. So it's been a long time. uh, I was paraphrasing if by Rudyard Kipling, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. Then my son, you are a mascot. (laughs) Uh, all all throughout Seattle, people were continuously surprised to to be seeing you. What are you doing here? Are you are you, you working a game? Working game? Well, cool. Because we would, you and I, every morning would go on a long walk and, down and, by the water, and virtually every day we would run into a a current or former WNBA uh, player or coach. That is true. We we ran into on a walk randomly, Heidi Burge, who lives in Texas now, but was a great player Visiting at Seattle. the University of Virginia in my era. We ran into um, Kate Starbird, who was a great player at uh, at Stanford in her day. Also played in WNBA. Kate lives in Seattle, though, so that's not that as random as Heidi, who was on vacation with her husband. One day we were walking down the street. We ran into Vicki Johnson because Atlanta was there. Uh, Vicky's a former teammate of mine with the New York Liberty, who's now the assistant coach with the Atlanta Dream. Um, but we yeah, ran into, it was, we ran into Ryan Howard's mother. We ran into Ryan Howard's mother. Ryan is uh, one of the all stars on the Atlanta Dream. So but, it was. It was. But one day we were walking along the Elliott Bay one morning, and we passed from behind. We passed a woman uh, who who was walking by herself, a local, I think, and she said, uh, "Rebecca, what are you doing here?" And you said, "We're here on vacation." And she said, 
here of all places. <laughs> but you have I mean, to go somewhere, right? I suppose. And then she said, she said, my, my favorite thing, which is, you know, are you the husband? Yes. Well, you better take care of her or, or you'll have to answer to me. Yes, I did find that pretty interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess Seattle might not be a, a place you would think of if somebody said we're going on vacation because it's not somewhere where you're going to go lay on the beach or do that kind of vacation. But uh, we enjoy cities. Our, or even lie on the beach. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, so anyway, we had a, we had a great time. It was a it was a really cool and fun place to visit. But we, we are we because we're just back from vacation and we have mountains of laundry. We have mail, including a package from George and Columbus. Yes. Who sent what did he send, Rebecca? Um, I forget what you called them. Ponsnay. Ponsnay. <laughs> you can't say that without sounding like a complete idiot. But yes, the the, the glasses, I can. You the can. glasses <laughs> the glasses without arms that just pinch your nose. Yes. And you know what does Ben Franklin like? I mean, this is like. I mean, they're amazing. He's he has sent you our, over our, the course. Our twelve-year-old immediately claimed them as her own. These are going to be my new school glasses. The uh, he has sent you every as Ed McMahon would say, form. every possible form of glasses. He has except what the 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 one on a stick, right? The the oh, opera right. glasses kind yes. of thing. Except opera glasses. But uh, but he sent them even in retirement, and we congratulate him now on his retirement because. Uh, George and Columbus's wife, Susan and Columbus, had asked us to send a, a video for his retirement party, which we did in a red tie. Apparently, he wore a red tie every time the uh, first checkup after LASIK surgery, cataract surgery. What was it? I don't know. She sent the email to you, but to check to check uh, to check the vision. So we did that and um, wish him all the best in retirement. Yes, in, in a retirement spent carving gourds of of every kind. I don't think he's retired from that. No, no. That's what he's retiring to. Yes. Uh, so let's get to beer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your pure mail. First of your mail comes from uh, Tom, in, born and raised in Minnesota, but not your brother. Well, I'm glad he's clarifying I'm glad that. he's clarifying. Steve, I can't believe you are unaware that the state bird of Minnesota is. I'm aware of what the state bird of Minnesota I said it's the mosquito. And did I say that I didn't know? Because I can now guess that it is the loon. Of course it's the loon. It's got to be the loon. Is it it the is loon? the loon. Well, let's see. Let's see what Tom says. I can't believe you are unaware that the state bird of Minnesota is the loon, the common loon, to be more specific. Next, you'll be telling us you don't know the state flower, at which point I'll begin to doubt that you were actually raised and educated in the state uh, Tom, born and raised in Minnesota, but not your brother. Rebecca, what is the state flower of Minnesota? Because I haven't a clue. The state flower? Yes. P.S. The flower is the showy lady's slipper, a variety of orchid. Somehow common seems a more appropriate modifier for an official Minnesota designation than showy. How true is that? <laughs> yeah, true. Well, now I know. So uh, the, the uh, showy lady's slipper. Our next viewer mail comes from uh, Marty from Kansas, Kansas, our resident Aussie rules football enthusiast. She, I, I refer to that as our ARF, or ARFI, <laughs> writes, uh, three things this week. As a kid growing up in Wyoming, there weren't any professional baseball teams within a few state radius. The Rockies didn't exist, so most people I knew cheered for either the Cubs, who you could see in WGN, or the Braves on TBS. I was a Cubs fan, but this season, in honor of DGS, I'm all for the Braves. My husband is a Twins fan, so I'll root for a Twins-Braves World Series. That would be a repeat of the 1991 World Series won by the Twins. TBS and DGS. What a, what a great Atlanta 
uh, partnership there, Rebecca. Two, last week, I, I and I think rooting for the Braves this year will probably pay dividends because they appear to be uh, the best team in baseball by some margin. But, Rebecca, we had a fantastic time at the Mariners-Orioles game when they honored King Felix with a pregame ceremony. Felix Hernandez, their great pitcher, now it's a retired. beautiful ceremony. Beautiful ceremony. Um, moving tributes, most movingly, by the four clubhouse attendants who talked about what a great uh, guy he was to them, helping them with laundry, attending their own personal going to their one of them got wedding reception and, and the wedding, yeah. Christmas cards and whatnot. Anyway, we we can get into that when we have more time, and we're going to have to truncate viewer mail this week in the interest of time. We'll get to all the unread viewer mails, viewers mail next week. But let's continue with Marty. Two, last week I revealed my coded distress text. Would love to hear yours. Uh, Rebecca, what, what would your coded distress text be? I think it would be something like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm running on time and uh, I will be home when I said I'll be home. Something That's like unfair. that. That's unfair. I'm not usually not on time. Well, the reason we're pressed for time on this podcast is we're going to do it this morning, but you put it off until this afternoon. That's Three. partially true. Three, ARF update, Australian Rules Football update. With three rounds left, the finals picture has remained murky. There are still eight teams vying for one of the last four spots in the final eight. In addition, the top two teams on the ladder have been upset two weeks in a row. If you're interested, here's a link to show you what a mess it is right now. Finally, school starts for this teacher tomorrow, year 25, wishing all teachers and wow. students a wonderful beginning to their school year. That means it's already started because it comes, comes in 10 days ago. Wow, that seems early, doesn't it? Yeah. But, I th you know, other places in the country start in mid-August. So. Absolutely. Uh, Tim writes, Steve and Rebecca, thank you for the swag. Oh, Rebecca, we sent our bracket resident bracketologist five years after the fact, after winning the, the first annual and only annual bracket contest. Finally we sent the swag. Sent him, what, a T-shirt, right? Yes. Steve and Rebecca, thank you for the swag. Your package arrived today and was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I would guess it would be a surprise and a perfect fit. It was great to open the mailbox and see the ball and chain logo on the back of the envelope. I think it's the only contest ever won, and I love the shirt. Here's a picture of him in, in the ball and chain shirt. Just want to let you know that the package arrived safely. Never know with the mail these days, as, he, as you've discussed in the pod. Hope you and your family and all ball and chain listeners have a great rest of the summer. Tim in Jefferson City, a resident bracketologist, and appropriately enough, Rebecca, he uh, sends a photograph of him in the shirt next to a... Uh, uh, an earth hoop on the back of a door. Looks perfect. It looks perfect. And so does the shirt. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes our devoted analog listener, Bob DeBomb Diggity in Huntersville, North Carolina. Over the summer, I attended a school workshop about artificial intelligence. To experiment with this brave new technology, I took the liberty of typing in a couple of prompts. One, write an essay about the Women's World Cup in the style of Steve Russian. Oh, for the love of God. Two, write a monologue about hot weather in the style of Johnny Carson. The two-page responses are included below, but are likely too lengthy to be read on the podcast. I have to say that Artificial Steve pales in comparison to the real Russian. Well, that's nice to know. That's unbelievable that you can do that. Well, it's very believable because if they're scraping everything that's ever been written. It's un I mean, that yes, you, it's that, believable. That you're allowed to like, do that or that, that technology uh, has enabled us to do that? Uh, not that the, the technology has allowed it, that, that it's allowed to be done is troubling. AI did a fair job of including a number of alliterative phrases, writes Bob. However, there is no mention of any player or coach, no laugh-inducing turn of phrase, and no similes. In short, AI has a long way to go before it does to writers as the CD did to magnetic tape. Can you share your thoughts and or experiences with AI, if any? I've had none, but I, I, I honestly, I'm going to read these uh, uh, to, um, and especially 
especially looking forward to Johnny's hot weather monologue. I'm especially um, looking forward to the AI, the AI Steve. I've I've avoided AI, so my experiences with it with it are non-existent. But uh, in terms of replacing writers, uh, it's part of the it's part of the TV, uh, the Writers Guild strike. Um, there is no there there. I understand that it can make some facsimile of of human uh, art. Not that what what I'm doing is art, but that you know. Right. No. Creating the you know recreating the the great works of literature or something. Um, it 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 you know it it cannot be imbued with a soul and and the whole point of of the art in the first place is the human striving for it. Right, Rebecca. Yes, that's right. So my my feelings this are somewhat uh, dim to to put it mildly. But I appreciate the two things that he chose. Oh, absolutely. To put into AI. No, I, 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 I'm fascinated by it and I yes. look forward to reading them. Stephen Rebecca writes Gail, thank you for continuing to cultivate the beautiful community that is Ball and Chain Enumeration Nation. Enumeration Nation. That is that. what it is. Shout out to DGS, DES, and newly retired George. Every summer we escape the sauna that is Houston and drive up to the family cabin in northern Michigan so the kids can experience lake life to the fullest. I have two updates from this trip. One, I do not remember the circumstances, but my nine-year-old used the phrase pretty coincidency, coincidental, and I could not correct him. Pretty coincidency. It is just too perfect of a word. Also, It is. That's a great word. Also, uh, my eight-year-old was reading something to me and said 20, 20 lebs, LBs, pounds. <laughs> and that was perfect, too. What a great stage we are in with them. That is great. 20 lebs. It reminds us, when we were, when we were in... Uh, Mount Rainier National Park, there was a plaque on a rock. And as a dad, I was required to go over and read the plaque. And it said uh, something, 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 USDI. And our son said, what is USDI? So that's U.S. Department of Interior. And he looked around and said, shouldn't it be the Department of Exterior? He was 100% right. Two, I have used this vacation to ignore my children and read a few books, as every good mother should do. Today, I finished Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries by Corey Stamper. Five stars if you're curious about how words get into or get booted from the dictionary. I also read Johnny Carson by Henry Bushkin, which I found to be interesting. I have read that book by Carson's former lawyer, Henry Bushkin, uh, which I also found to be interesting. Uh, and I, I, I would uh, read Word by Word by Corey Stamper, who's, I think, the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary uh, guru. What books have y'all read this summer? Any good ones that you can share with us? I am right now reading um, We Don't Know Ourselves. Uh, a personal history of Ireland by who is it by Rebecca? I don't know. Tell me. Well, you should know because you're not reading it. It is by um, by Fenton O'Toole, um, and it's great. It's fantastic. I also just finished this summer a book called Cameraman by Dana Stevens. Cameraman Buster Keaton. Uh, the Dawn of Cinema and the Invention of the 20th Century. It's it's uh, Kind of a the life of Buster Keaton, but also uh, a lot to do with the twentieth century. Um, you know, through paralleling Buster Keaton's life, which was great, and a novel called um, "A Calling for Charlie Barnes" by Joshua Ferris. Finally, writes Gail, I will be cheering for the Braves this fall. It will be hard to do as I have not only the Astros but also the Orioles to cheer. But DGS deserves the good vibes. Uh, Gail, thank you, Gail. We saw the Orioles play the Mariners um, on Friday, and our, my son and I returned on Sunday. 
So we saw the Orioles play twice. The Orioles won both of those games. Um, Orioles ended the Mariners' eight-game winning streak, and the Orioles looked really good. And before we read our next viewer mail, I should say that we've taken about a four-hour halftime here. Five-hour, six-hour halftime? Um, yeah, about five hours. We, we read the last viewer mail. You had to run somewhere. I think it was more of a third-quarter break between the third and fourth quarter. No, no. I mean, we had the Bud Light Daredevils, Red Panda, and Up With People <laughs> out here performing. Right. But we're back. We're back. And... Uh, so so we can complete your mail, I think, with uh, the time crunch now. Ready? Ready. Next email comes from Ken, our resident Shakespearean. Hello, Ken. Ken writes, hello, Rebecca and Steve. Greetings from Fort Wayne. Thanks, as always, for continuing the podcast and delivering its regular infusions of observations and humor. Following the example of BNC's cleanup hitter, an enumerated list follows. One, on a recent podcast, I apologize for not recalling which one or the viewer who wrote, we received a recommendation for Stone Creek Coffee in Milwaukee, which brought back fond memories. When I was a graduate in graduate school at Marquette, 94 to 96, there was a Stone Creek coffee shop on Wells Street where I spent many hours. Most often, I would go there on Sundays to read the Journal Sentinel and write a letter to my then fiance. That was a long time ago, but a good memory nonetheless. So many memories for me there. Wells Street, parallel to the you know my freshman dorm at Marquette, and writing a letter, Rebecca. Mm been a while. Two, I too remember the advertisements for Geritol. Geritol used to be a regular part of Wheel of Fortune. Years ago, in the event that a contestant solves no puzzles, Pat Sajak would console the person, regardless of age, by saying, we have some lovely parting gifts for you, including a year's supply of Geritol. <laughs> Do you remember when you would go shopping on Wheel of Fortune? You'd, you'd win the money, and then you'd, you'd have to go on a shopping spree buying the stuff that was for sale on Wheel of Fortune. I don't remember that. Yeah, it used, now I think they just give you the cash. Before it was, you know, you you would buy buy stuff, and it would always they would always have a ceramic Dalmatian. Seriously, for like five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it was a way to advertise oh, stuff and get what? free yeah. stuff. Yes, and, I do remember And not that. have to give away cash. Mm -hmm. um, because of this, my wife and I always linked having lost having lost to Geritol to the extent that it developed into and remains a trash talk catchphrase in our household. For example, if my wife were to beat me in a game of cards, she might say, tough luck, Geritol boy. <laughs> I love that. That may become a part of my repertoire, Rebecca. Yes. Three, when in a recent podcast, Steve spoke of the, quote, low-slung Holiday Inn, I was reminded of one of the best toys of my childhood, the play school, Familiar Places Holiday Inn, picture attached. I, I, he has attached a picture, but I, I know exactly what it looks like. I mean, this was a dream, Rebecca, a dream toy. Do you remember this? The Holiday Inn uh, Play School hinged, opens up. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, what it's like dream. the castle or the school with, I had. Yeah, with though. the Holiday Inn marquee, the, the iconic Holiday Inn marquee. Um, I was... Uh, I especially like the revolving door on the first level and the boxy white dog. This is one of the few toys they asked my parents to save. And when the time came, my daughter enjoyed it as much as I did. I mean, that is phenomenal. I bet that thing is uh, quite expensive on eBay, Rebecca. I bet. Four, finally. The revolving door, the castle I had, the folding castle I had, had one of those. It was like the best part of it. Well, you know, in medieval times, when castles were built, they were built with <laughs> energy-saving revolving doors. <laughs> right. Four, finally, all good wishes to Dr. Gary Siegel and his family. For DGS, specifically these lines from Henry IV, Part Two, which describe, quote, a body yet distempered, which to his former strength may be restored with good advice and a little medicine. I, I'm sorry that I can't read that better, Rebecca, but um, 
poignant words and um, from our resident Shakespearean scholar. Yes. For our resident uh, uh, Shakespearean voice in Dr. Siegel. Cheers, Ken. Our resident Shakespearean in my dad's, my father's hometown, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Our next viewer mail comes from Rich. Rich writes, good afternoon, BNC. Given all the discussion around reading glasses in recent podcasts, I wanted to share a true game changer that I found out about a couple of years ago. I had LASIK surgery done in the early aughts to fix my distance vision, but the doctor told me at that time that it wouldn't eliminate the need for readers as I reached my 40s. He was correct, and I subsequently fought the reader's battle for many years. Despite having them all over the house, there were so many occasions that I couldn't find any when I needed them. Now, Rebecca, you don't, you don't have any. Not readers. yet. Yeah. I went in for an eye exam a couple of years ago and asked the doctor if there were any options. He mentioned monovision and explained that my right eye would continue to handle the distance, but he could give me a reader contact for my left eye, and my brain would figure it all out. Voila. I highly re recommend it. No more readers. So monovision, Rebecca, my right eye would continue to handle the distance and my left, but he could give me a reader contact for my left eye and my brain would figure it out. I wonder if there's any headaches in the process of his brain figuring it out. I wonder what uh, George and Columbus I know. Can, can tell us in regards to, to monovision. Yes. That, I mean, it sounds like something if you have a mon unibrow and monovision, <laughs> it, you'd be... I don't know. I don't know what, but it would be funny. Thanks again for the pod. It's a must listen for me every time a new one comes out. And please add me to the list of folks holding a good thought for DGS. We will do that, Rich. Thank you very much. And uh, our next viewer mail comes from Ted on the Lower East Side. Hi, Restiva. The moment Rebecca mentioned Latham, New York on last week's pod, before you mentioned his name, Sam Perkins popped into my head. Now you ran into Sam Perkins in Latham, New York. That's right. right? I will be in Johnson City, New York on Friday which is quite a haul from here, actually. But hello, if anyone wants to come to the Dicks in Johnson City on Friday for a meet and greet, I'll be there. Well, there you are. Uh, timely as today's headlines, then. In the spring of 1980, I was a college senior at SUNY Albany when Sam was a senior at Shaker High in nearby Latham. In a Dewey defeats Truman moment, I clearly recall the Albany Times Union headline, Perkins chooses UCLA. <laughs> Steve, you probably don't know that the school Sam really wanted to go to was Marquette, mentioned in the attached Inside Carolina article. Indeed, he attaches a link to that. Sam Worthen, who was Marquette's star at the time and had New York origin, had New York origins, as many of Al McGuire's uh, recruits did, Rebecca, it doesn't uh, mention in the article, but I'm guessing they knew each other from Rucker Park, but Marquette never recruited Sam. The article mentions that then-UCLA coach Larry Brown helped steer Sam to North Carolina. Brown was an NC alum, but conjecture is that he knew about the upcoming UCLA probation, and Brown was also about to jump to the NBA. I did not know that, Rebecca. That's interesting. Both of the attached articles tell the story of Sam moving from Brooklyn to upstate Latham with Herb Crossman, who, was, who with Sam's family, family's blessing became his guardian. Legend has it that the high school coach at Shaker High, a suburban uh, and not particularly diverse school, at least at the time, had no idea who Sam was when he, saw, when, he, when he saw him walking in the hall his first few days of school the following spring after a deep run Shaker lost to Rodney McRae's Mount Vernon team in the New York State basketball playoffs. Rodney won the 1980 NCAA title with Louisville and was eventually the third pick in the 1983 NBA draft. Sam won the 1982 NCAA title with Carolina and eventually was the fourth pick in the 1984 NBA draft. Interesting. Super interesting. Uh, the attached Times Union article details how Sam was befriended by one of the cheerleaders at Shaker High, lived with her family, the Alakwas, his senior year, and how they played the parent role for him at UNC. In fact, the year following Sam's arrival on campus, UNC asked the Alakwas to be buddy parents to help the freshman transition 
of James and Dolores Jordan's son, Michael, and they became and remained close all these years later. I watched the uh, Air movie. Yes, uh, featuring that, right? The, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Would you recommend Air? I, I mean, if you want to stay alive, sure. <laughs> but the movie. Oh, the movie. Yeah, I mean, the first... Uh, three quarters of it, I would say. It was. I thought it was one of the best movies I've seen in in a decade. Not that I see a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And then the last half hour was a sort of uh, uh, slightly, I thought, over the top uh, veneration of of Jordan, Phil Knight, Nike, and um, it, it slipped into sort of a, a hagiography. But anyway, totally different subject: rental car changing time zones. Have either of you had the situation where you rented a car in one time zone and returned it in another? I have, Rebecca. You may recall earlier this year I mentioned that my daughter was going to be in a new touring musical, Hits the Musical, which has now completed its 50-city run. I only saw 12 of the 50 performances. Life work kept me from the rest, but I did catch part of the Midwest leg, renting a car in Milwaukee, going to shows in Appleton, Wisconsin, Minneapolis at the Pantage Theater. We stayed with my brother in New Hope. Des Moines and Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with a stop at Grinnell College to visit a longtime friend of my daughter and eventually to the Indianapolis airport, a whirlwind of roughly 1,500 miles in five days. Hmm. Indiana time zones are always confusing to me. Funky, yes. When I picked up the rental car, I queried the rep, how does the change in time zones factor in? The schedule I laid out got me to Indianapolis at roughly 3 o'clock Eastern time. I picked up the car at 2.30 Central time, which is 3.30 Eastern time. And if my pickup time was considered 3.30, this would not put me into the next day of 24-hour periods. The rep seemed at best befuddled and at worst completely disinterested in addressing the time zone change conundrum. He did say, we give you half an hour grace. As it turns out, I got there just before the clock would have turned to the next 24-hour period. Never hurts to say again, wishing DGS all the best, Ted from LES. Uh, so, um, Rebecca, I once I didn't have this, that same issue, but I was leaving the Bassmaster Classic in Birmingham, Alabama for my flight home out of Atlanta. I, uh, I remember this was an yeah, um, event-filled return, but yes. Yeah, I crossed the, uh, the Alabama border into Georgia, and suddenly uh, my phone skipped an hour, and was it was an hour later than... than than, you than had it had been before, yeah. And uh, now I was late for my flight. So, but I did make I did make the flight, but it was eventful. Uh, hi, Rebecca and Steve. Writes uh, Sue. My mom recently unearthed her copy of Rebecca and Ruth Ann's uh, book, The Home Team. She downsized into a fifty-five plus apartment a few years ago, and her book strategy was to load all of them into tubs and store them in various places in her apartment, under the beds, in the storage closet, etc and read them at her leisure. In one of the tubs was her copy of The Home Team that she must have gotten at a book signing, see attached photos, which shows the inscription to Ginny, G-I-N-I, spelled correctly. Rebecca, if I if I, uh, I, I can discern your mother's handwriting there and uh, impeccable signature and your handwriting with uh, yes. a remarkably legible signature. Yes, my mother had beautiful handwriting though. Me, not did so not, much. It did not uh, pass down. No. Both lefties, too. She had great handwriting in particular for a lefty. Well, I'll show you this picture. Your book was a fun ride through the past. I was at UConn just before Rebecca, but returned to see her play many games with my brother, who was there for two of the years Rebecca played, and my father, an alum of UConn, who would return to campus for any reason, but really enjoyed the women's games. We have a framed poster signed by Gino and Rebecca in our sports room. Thanks for your podcast. It brings me delight and laughter. Sending good thoughts to Dr. Gary. Sue Peruccio, parentheses, King. UConn class of 90. Awesome. So I'll let you uh, pour over, you know, seeing your mother's handwriting and mm-hmm. signature, I mean, kind of like hearing 
her voice on a on a voicemail or something yeah, is, makes me is happy. does. Uh, just a couple more here. We have uh, Mary from uh, PA. Hello from a completionist and second time emailer. I'm simply wondering if Steve is playing the New York Times game Connections, and if so, how are you doing? No need to be humble if you're acing it every day. Steve, I like it, but it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge many days. So Rebecca, you have no idea what Mary from Westchester is talking about. I do not. I am playing the New York Times Connections game. Our son is occasionally oh, is playing the, the New York Times. the baseball one with no, the No, that's, that's Immaculate Grit, oh. the one that Mark Simon is not suited to, to playing. Um, this is, uh, it has uh, four, eight, 12, 16, I'd say, squares with a single word in it. Mm-hmm. And you try to f- uh, group them into four groups that have something in common. But the trick is there's always overlapping things in common. So, for instance, today there was like egg, omelet, waffle, bacon, um, and uh, cereal, right? It's all breakfast foods. Yes, but you only four. So one of them is not a breakfast cereal. So bacon was grouped with artists, some of whom also had vague, you know, names that could fit in other categories. So so you only get three or four incorrect, you know, attempts before it it, it shuts you down. So it's interesting. Why was bacon with artists? Because uh, uh, be- is that the name of a? Yes. Um, it, it was a Francis Bacon um, Whistler, which could be, you know, it could be a couple of things, but Whistler of Whistler's mother. It was um, Close, C-L-O-S-E, which could also be Close, but that was Chuck Close, artist Chuck Close. So, okay. uh, but this is, I'm not looking at the puzzle now, but it was. Uh, interesting. Okay. It is interesting. You just put NYT connections in Google and it comes up. It's still in like beta mode or something. So I don't know if it's on the, the games thing, but. Okay. But um, yes, I'm. Uh, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm acing it, but I'm. I'm getting it right every day, but not always in in the minimum of four guesses. It was great to see Holly Rowe receive the Kurt Gowdy Media Award from the HOF. Any chance she'll make a guest appearance on the podcast soon? Thanks so much, Mary. Well, Rebecca. Um, I mean, I always a chance we'll have her on. We probably should have her on, but you attended her her. Uh, Yes, we mentioned that yeah, we a mentioned bit that. earlier. Yes, did it you was mention just any of the four hours of the, ago? Of but, the details? Um, no, but she did give uh, an incredible speech, and um, you know, she's she's been such a pioneer in so many ways for women at ESPN and in sports media and journalism, and um, you know, her, part of her story uh, is remarkable. But I, I'm sure you can find her speech somewhere if you just Google it. Um, and it's certainly worth watching. And it's it, it's very entertaining. She tells a lot of stories. And um, you can kind of get a glimpse into what her journey was like as a as a woman in, in sports broadcasting. As that was happening, or the night it was happening, we were uh, – our daughter, who had been to Seattle once before, wanted to see the space – see the view from the Space Needle at night. She'd been on the Space Needle at day, but wanted to see that. So while while that was going on, we were we were um, we went up to the observation deck of the Space Needle at like nine thirty or ten PM. And when we came down, uh, our daughter mentioned that when she had her previous time on the Space Needle was with Miss Rowe. Yes. Because when she was in Seattle with you and Miss Rowe, you're not a big fan of crowded elevators or heights, neither of which would have I don't mind heights at all. I'm not a fan of crowded elevators. We've talked about that. And, and I said, I will go all the way up to the elevator and then I'll suss it out and then I'll make my decision. We got up there and they were jamming people into the elevators, just smushing them in. So I they bowed are, out. Yeah. So and, uh, would, you, and would you have enjoyed the glass floor on the uh, – I wouldn't – actually, that would have made me feel a little bit less 
confined. I would not have minded yeah. the glass floor at oh, all. So we sent a video message with the kids from uh, from the Space Needle that night. Uh, our next viewer mail, our penultimate viewer mail, comes from John. He writes, uh, Dear Stephen Rebecca, summertime greetings from your Cape Cod correspondent. It's been a crazy year for us so far this year as we've moved both of our dads to assisted living have been going, doing some serious remodeling at our house, and I may have buried the lead. Traveled to Colorado to celebrate the wedding of our daughter. Well, that is certainly congratulations, the lead. amazing. Congrats! Along the way, the BNCP has kept us company, and we often find ourselves either remembering things in our lives reflected in your podcast, or just laughing about the foibles that you encounter in everyday situations. Thanks for accompanying us on our journeys. Well, thanks for having us. For example, I thought of you, Steve, the other night as Jane, his wife, and I watched Air. There you go. I'm guessing you already watched and enjoyed it, yes, but about a few days ago. But the 70s, 80s music commercials and pop culture references brought me back to your love of them in your books. As I've mentioned before, I'm very much looking forward to book three of your memoirs. Um, yes, tons, tons of, of 10-second snippets of, of unlikely 80s songs, none of which I can recall off the top of my head. And the visuals were just, you know, exuded 80s, including Ben Affleck as Phil Knight jogging in, like, you know, neon chartreuse jogging tights or something I mean, <laughs> you know you're everybody in the movie jason bateman matt damon ben affleck are famous actors so you're you know you're sort of suspending your disbelief but but uh, ben affleck as phil knight is kind of hilarious when i when i hear the name phil knight the thing that that i will always think of and what pops immediately into my mind is that famous picture now of LeBron James breaking the scoring record and everyone has their phone out taking pictures and Phil Knight's just sitting there taking in the moment. Like he was courtside baseline, right? I can't remember, but yeah. I, I know everybody had their phones yeah, out. Yeah, everyone had their phone phones out except for Phil Knight who was living the moment through his experience instead of through his the lens of his phone. The, the people who have their phone out, do they think that the game wasn't being televised or couldn't <laughs> access highlights who at some knows? point? During our trek driving back across the country from our Colorado wedding, we completely randomly ended up in Jamestown, New York for a night. We say a we say a bunch of signs for the saw a bunch of signs for the National Comedy Center. Rebecca, when I went to Buffalo to do the Bills last year, I wanted to make a detour to the National Comedy Center because they have Johnny Carson's The National Comedy Center. In Jamestown, New York. And I believe they have Johnny Carson's Where's curtain. It's near I think it's near um Chautauqua on uh, that area. It's kind of a bit between as you go from Buffalo to Cleveland. Will I be driving by it on my way to Johnson City? I don't know, but if if they have a if they have a Dix, I'm going with you next time. Um, but I interrupted you. They have Johnny Carson's curtain. I think they have, think they have his curtain. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's cool. Although we'd never heard of it, it certainly had an intriguing name, so we checked it out. Oh, you know what it is? I, I believe it's Lucille Ball's hometown. Thus, the location. Oh, of, nice. Uh, okay. What a hidden gem. I bring it up for three reasons. One, it was a blast. We enjoyed wandering around the various very interactive exhibits. They featured George Carlin, Carl Reiner, and Mel Brooks. Had areas for stand-up acts, TV comedies, movie comedies, written works, cartoons, and so on. Two, they had a 30-minute loop for Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show, Steve. You would have loved it with parts for his monologues, guest appearances, crazy characters, and guest hosts. Three, Jamestown isn't too far from your area, so it might be a fun family or some portion thereof trip. You also pass through wine country and the Finger Lakes region, so it's a great summertime destination. Anyway, I thought you might be interested. I looked into I mean, I looked into that. They had. They definitely had a... a uh, uh, it may have been, you know, on loan or something, but a, a, a temporary exhibit uh, dedicated to Johnny. I mean, maybe they have a permanent exhibit, but they, I, they had something that I think involved I mean, the, the way set you, or you're cur- doing comedy class every night with our kids. Yeah. I, that we should definitely Absolutely. make that a field trip. Finally, a few comments from recent, actually some probably not so recent podcasts in no particular order. One, best wishes to, DG, to DGS 
uh, two, you had asked about coffee memories. We are actually a tea-drinking family. I have fond memories from my youth of visiting my paternal grandmother. She quite literally came over to the U.S. back in the 20s on a boat from Scotland. She would always be ready with a spot of tea and something to go with it, such as petit fours. Petit fours. For those who don't know, petit fours, petit fours, petit fours are little bite-sized confectionaries shaped like small cakes. Grandma would always offer them to us and tell us in their Scottish brogue, take a lot, take two. Anyway, since then, I've always been a red rose tea drinker with a bit of milk and sugar. I never got into coffee, although ironically, I love coffee, ice cream, mocha drinks, and anything with Kahlua in it. Mm. Um, that makes me think of Ted Lasso because the running gag throughout that series is how awful Ted Lasso thinks tea is, right? Yes, I agree. I'm not a tea person. Three, I have many wonderful memories of father-daughter dances, including a picture of my dad when he pinch hit for me one year when I was out of the country. Then there was the year I decided to up the ante and make a date night out of the dance. I took my daughter to a nice restaurant, and we had a lovely time until I reached into my pocket and found I had forgotten my wallet. Fortunately, the manager was very understanding and let us go with a promise I would be right back after getting a credit card from my wife, who was just down the street at the actual site where the dance was being held. That would uh, pre uh, prepare his daughter for actual dates, I think, in the future. Right. Yes. Um, a tad embarrassing, but a good story for the family lore. In a related note, I walked my daughter down the aisle earlier this month and danced with her to You Are the Sunshine of My Life at her wedding. My little sunshine girl is all grown up now. Great Amazing, song. Yes. Stevie Wonder with, with his own newborn crying in the background on that song. Has there ever been a song where in the background you hear, meow? Shh. <laughs> Cat crying. That should have been, that should be in the, I mean, it would have ruined the vibe, but in the background of Cats in the Cradle. Yes, yeah, right. Four, regarding ice cream scooping and the ranking of sauces from earlier episodes, I have to rank Friendly's Hot Fudge Sauce up near the top. I did my fast food work at the local Friendly's back in the early 70s. I was mostly a dishwasher, but scooped a bunch of ice cream when help was needed out front. I've subsequently quit early in the summer. Then they started bringing out tour buses full of people for endless streams of ice cream scooping. But I digress. To this day, I love their hot fudge sauce. A guilty pleasure that I like to do at home is to take a dollop of peanut butter, a large spoonful of marshmallow fluff, and a handful of chocolate chips and melt them in the microwave for 30 seconds. Did you hear that, Rebecca? I'd like to hear it again. What's the, what's the recipe? A dollop of peanut butter, a mm -hmm. large spoonful of marshmallow fluff, and a handful of chocolate chips and melt them in the microwave for 30 seconds. Throw in a couple of scoops of ice cream, Friendly's Butter Crunch or a mint chocolate chip work really well, and voila, a homemade hot fudge sundae. Mm. Sounds yummy. That sounds, I mean, I, I don't think we have uh, marshmallow fluff on hand, but we should fluff with one with two Fs, but not three. F-L-U-F, right? Is it just spelled with one F I don't know. at the end? It seems like they can't legally spell it with two Fs. It's not, uh, it's not, <laughs> not that there is a natural fluff, but, um, but it's like cheese, C-H-E-E-Z. You know, it's, you know, it's better. Sorry for the lengthy email, writes John. I'll try to keep in touche, bete. I'll try to keep in better touch in the future. I, I'm uh, I'm blowing the pronunciation of this pun that he's playing here. Congra congratulations on blasting through the 200 episode mark. Let's hope there are many more to come. Best wishes to the Russian Lobo family for a wonderful rest of your summer. And if you ever make it to the Cape, fondly, John. John, thank you. We appreciate it. And finally, Rebecca, we have two because we've been off. We're on vacation. Yes. We have two uh, emails from uh, Dr. Gary Siegel. Actually, we have one email from Dr. Gary Siegel because the, reason, the week we were off, we didn't have a podcast to comment on, right? right. So let's get to Dr. Siegel's um, email headlined uh, Podcast 254. 
Podcast 254 was fantastic. Dear Rebecca and Steve, Podcast 254 was fantastic. I got a kick out of your son using a broom to signify a sweep in ping pong, much as I asked my wife if her mother is here whenever I see one in the garage. Uh, from now on, when I defeat our son in ping pong, I'm going to say, take that, and Jarrah Tallboy. He won't know what I'm talking about, but, but, I, I but I'll enjoy it. Yes. Um, and we saw there was a spin ping pong emporium in Seattle. Yes. Down like on uh, 5th Avenue on? or 4th Avenue or something. And I think that was Susan Sarandon like started 6th that. on 6th Avenue. It's a ping pong place, like a pool yeah. hall, but a ping pong hall. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was a sign outside that said something like, uh, everything ping pong unites us all or something. And you and our son, our son reluctantly posed under it with you. Yes. Today's email is being typed by this week's temp, my daughter. One, sports part A. The Braves had a tough weekend against the Central Division. I believe the Bla- the Braves uh, uh, are taking on – are they taking on the Mets right now? I'm not sure. Two, sports part B, women's FIFA from down under was enjoyable. As we as we record this, Rebecca, England has just beaten Australia this morning, 3-1, to one, and the, the final will be England versus Spain. Do you have a favorite in that? I don't. Every one of our daughter's teams, uh, you know, after the USA course – and when, after the USA bowed out, she chose somebody else and then chose Australia. And anyway, I don't know if she has a uh, – we're all going to have to choose a, a team to root for of in the final. Three, I enjoyed your reference to Rhapsody in Beige. My older brother from age four grew up playing classical piano, so I've heard Rhapsody in Blue many times over. That's the United Airlines theme, Rebecca. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it was for years. And dun, you hear dun, it playing dun, when you go dun, through that dun, little uh, – Is that one? When you yeah. go through that that psychedelic uh, kind of uh, birth canal at O'Hare under yes. underneath, you know, the under walkway with the mm-hmm. neon stuff and the moving walkway, that's what they play some variation of that, don't they? Okay. Yeah, they do. Four, thanks to Midge, Bob, and many others for thinking of me. Six, uh, five, did I? Five, congratulations to George on his retirement. What a great job poking people in the eyes like Mo Howard for a career. Well, you, you do know, Dr. Siegel, the defense for being poked in the eyes by the likes of Mo Howard is to stick your hand, right? The flat of your hand, but turn it sideways onto the bridge of your nose. So that's that, only if they're, they they only know how to do it with two fingers. Well, two that's fingers, uh, yes. it always thwarted the other stooges. Six, the Mary Chapin Carpenter song, He Thinks He'll Keep Her, certainly applies to Mrs. DGS. <laughs> Uh, seven, growing up, I only heard the F word once from my father when he hit his thumb with a hammer. Daughter's at it. My dad says this is a wholesome show, but if he goes 24 hours without using the F word, we're checking for a pulse. <laughs> his daughter said that? Yes. <laughs> daughter's at it. Oh, that's funny. That is hilarious. Um, eight, I mean, I I, I think, I think uh, I, I no, I don't think I've heard my dad use the F word since that the only time. time. Yeah. A lot of other words. All the other words. But not that but not one. Not that one. Eight, I continue, to, I continue to do well with treatments which are daily on weekdays. Mobility is increasing slowly. That's wonderful news. Yes. That's great news, Dr. Siegel. Dr. Nine, Siegel, by the way, sent me a picture that he said it was okay to post. So I'm going to post that on our Instagram for, for oh, folks right. to say yes. Right. Well, will you actually do that this time? I will, yes. There's so many things you claim I you're know, going to post. I know, but yes, don't this post. one for sure. For somebody who is known for posting... You don't you don't post very often. I will post. Okay. Post it tonight. I will. Nine, as is typical, oh, uh, even with staff, it is still late Monday night when I'm sending this. 
10, kudos to the hardworking staff. My daughter and her daughter, my youngest granddaughter, arrived a few hours ago. My son-in-law and the other varmint, my son and family, will arrive later this week. Uh, there's, there is an, uh, the, the first two uh, pieces of this Gmail, Sports Part A and Sports Part B, had asterisks attached, mm-hmm. which I'm just now noticing because there is an asterisk at the bottom corresponding to the two at the top. Yes. And this, the rest of this is in, this is a footnote. In italics, okay? Yes. Would you like to hear it? I would. Daughter's addendum. So this is coming directly from... From DGS's daughter. DGS's DGSD. Yes. DGSD. DGSD's daughter's addendum. My father specifically asked me to type this in a Word document first so I could get the bulleting precisely as he desires before (laughs) passing it into Gmail, before pasting it into Gmail. Based on the sports part A and part B, you are correct to assume I defiantly chose to ignore him. (laughs) Couldn't figure it out and have now spent more time typing this than if I would have followed his request. C'est la vie. <laughs> now back to the unitalicized, uh, straight from the horse's mouth, all the best, Gary. <laughs> uh, yes. I love that Dr. Siegel. He should be so proud of himself that he raised a daughter who... <laughs> who ignores him. Yes. Ignores his... Uh, I yes. mean, first of all, she's taking dictation. Yes. Like a 1950s, you know, uh, madman era. Right. Uh, secretary and uh, and he's demanding so uh, demanding he's he's uh, s- suggesting yes Microsoft Word well uh, DGS DGS's daughter uh, all of the listeners Rebecca you're, you're going to paste a photo of DGS paste paste I will post one I won't paste it you won't paste it no well, I, no, I would paste it. it up on the wall of our of our basement I studio I would add it to the fridge but I will okay. definitely post it yes. post it and um, and I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it, yes. I think that's enough. It's too much, possibly. Always. For producer Denny Gallagher, we, we passed Denny Way in Seattle with two ends, and I sent uh, sent a picture of that to Denny. Yes, you did. Yes, we did. Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, while we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.